Loving Heavenly Father, we do ask, Lord, that you would grant us uh, 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 your presence as we come round your word now, that you would uh, grant us uh, hearing ears and receptive hearts. And Lord, I, I, I beseech and ask you for uh, uh, unction and liberty uh, as uh, I speak. And Lord, that you would uh, grant us all understanding. And Lord, be with us and bless us, uh, we pray. Amen. Well, this morning I want to, to concentrate on the first 21 verses of uh, chapter 8. So we, we finished chapter 7 last week and uh, Bernd, uh, uh, took us through the, the final section of chapter chapter 7. And so we're now into chapter 8, and uh, we're going to be looking mainly at the the, the, the th kind of three events that happen in the, the first 21 verses. That there's a lot, again, that's happening in these chapters. And uh, we've got a climax to reach uh, in chapter 8, and hopefully we'll get there next week uh, the lord willing and i felt very much sort of kind of sort of led to to focus on what takes place initially in in this chapter so this second miraculous feeding so you remember back in chapter six jesus feeds the five thousand and here again we've got another miraculous uh, feeding uh, and so the number here is is four thousand, and there really there's only two two gospels that that record this. That's that's Mark here uh, and that Matthew uh, in chapter fifteen, uh, verses thirty two to thirty eight. So only Mark and Matthew record this. But as we've been hearing it and as we read it, uh, Mark Mark has got a real uh, uh, deliberate purpose in including it. And, and so is Matthew. And so it's worth us considering it and seeing what we can glean out from it this morning. Now, it says that there were 4,000 men, uh, but we know that there were other, there were families as well. So we're not talking about just 4,000 people. We're talking about a lot more people there. Uh, and that, so the, the, there's 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 a couple of things we can note uh, from certainly the first uh, couple of verses where we we see Jesus uh, uh, speaking about about the, 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 these these great multitude these massive people that are there following them. So we see that the people have been following and being with Jesus for three days. So that 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 that's sort of time spans given we see that uh, uh, Jesus has compassion he's concerned because they've got no food and we see that some have traveled a great distance some have traveled a great distance so that's that's there included and Jesus highlights that in verses 2 and 3 so we, we see in verses 2 and 3, I have compassion on the multitude because they have been with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them the way, 
uh, without food to their own houses, they will faint by the way, for many of them have come from afar. So, so some of these people have come a long distance. We don't, we're not sort of given any detail. But what we're seeing here is the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we, we've touched on this before, haven't we? And if we go back to chapter 6, it speaks about Jesus having compassion on the multitude. And it says that Jesus had compassion on the multitude because they were like people without a shepherd. Now, here, this is Jesus speaking himself. This isn't, you know, one of the disciples saying, and Jesus had compassion. We're seeing Jesus actually speak. This is Jesus' own words here in chapter 8. He is saying, I have compassion on this multitude so we see jesus uh, expressing compassion concern love for for these people and in his own words he's concerned with their well-being he's concerned that they haven't got food he's concerned that some of them have come from a long way how far away well we don't know uh, but they've traveled uh, a long way and have been joining this this multitude and, and wanting to, to hear it and see Jesus. And obviously they've, they've run out of food and he's concerned with them. He doesn't want them traveling back. And we just remember kind of the, the, the kind of landscape, you know, the, the, the location where they are. This is, this is not the West Midlands in, in, in the middle of October. You know, uh, th this is in a hot, arid country. And we're, we're, not, we're told here that they're in the wilderness. Some translations might say a desolate place. Uh, but some translations use the word wilderness. So they're out, they're, they're, out, they're not near a town or a village. Uh, they're not near any communities. So we need to think about this scene then. All these people, and they've got work, they've got jobs, they've got livelihoods. And here, here are three days missing from, from their normal routine. These people have, have, have obviously given up their normal routine, their jobs or whatever they were doing, uh, the, the, the tasks that people were employed in, shepherding or whatever, whatever it was. They're obviously not doing those things because these, these three days they have been with, they've been part of this multitude of people this great great mass of people and these are families these are not just you know uh, men uh, on, on furlough you know we, we talk a lot about furlough today you know being on furlough um i've been at the mission been on a furlough on the furlough scheme and so i've had i've had time um, um to to do things and, and a lot of people have been in that position but we're not talking about people who are being furloughed or anything like that, they must have livelihoods. And yet, then they've obviously stopped what they were doing because they've heard about Jesus. Now think back to what was happening in chapter 7 at the end, that, that miraculous healing of the deaf and, and dumb man. Uh, and that, that wonderful verse, uh, you know, verse 37, that's the last verse. And just think about what the, the words in that verse. And I'm going to read from. Um, uh, the New King James, which is the translation I'm using. And this is what verse 37 says. And they were astonished beyond all measure, saying, 
He has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Christ does all things well. And that, that really perhaps sort of fills in why there's so many people. They, 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 they've heard about this miracle. They've heard about some of the other miracles. And by now you, you've got people, not just uh, people who, who are, we would say are Jewish people, but we know that the Lord by now has, has touched the lives of, of non-Jewish people. Uh, Bernd helped, helped us to understand about the Syrophoenician, the Greek woman, uh, and you know she may have been telling her neighbors, uh, and who knows who had traveled from afar, who had, who, who had gone to seek out the Lord Jesus Christ, to hear him, to see him, uh, because he had done all things well. And people were astonished, people were amazed. So these people are seeking the Lord, they're, 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 they're leaving things just for now. They're going to not do their, their normal task because they want to go and seek out the Lord Jesus. They want to see him. And so what is the, the disciples' response? To this, the need of this great multitude, all these these people. Uh, well, let's look at um, verse four, uh, and it says this. Well, that the disciples answered them. Jesus is is saying to them, "I don't want to send them away hungry, uh, uh, for for some of them have come afar." And so the disciples that are in, start responding to him and saying saying this, uh, "How can one, or how can a man?" satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness now that's quite a significant statement to think maybe they didn't think about the significance of that statement because really what that they're saying is well who who can who can help these people in in this wilderness well if they just maybe taken a moment to think about their question and what they were saying and who they were saying it to but of course, as we go later into uh, our passage, we see that they're not really grasping the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ. So they're asking this question, and, and it's their unbelief and their, their, their kind of spiritual short-sightedness, but also not realizing what they had been brought up with, what they'd been taught about what the Lord had done in the past for the people of Israel in, in the wilderness. Uh, and of course, that was the significance of the the, the previous feeding, the five thousand. And of course, in that chapter we read, don't you? You'll remember later in the chapter, you know, uh, after they'd crossed the the lake, the sea, and then and the, and it says that they just they just didn't think about the significance of that of the feeding of the five thousand because their hearts were hardened. And that's still the situation. And so they're saying to Jesus, well, who can, who can feed the, these people here in this wilderness? And look, there's, think about it. There's, there, there, there's no towns that are, are really easy access. Where they, wherever they are, it, they're way out. And there's no um, corner shops. There's no bazaar or marketplace where the people can just go and, and, get, uh, and get food just like that. And maybe they've got no money. They've not brought money with them. And, and there's no uh, Tesco's local. 
you know, it, the church uh, uh, on Ridgeacre Road, we, 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 we're just down the road from the, the Tesco's. But there's, there's no Tesco's here or the equivalent of the time. There's no market. Where, where are these people going to get food? They haven't. And so the disciples are thinking on a very natural plane, aren't they? They're kind of looking around and they're thinking, well, what can we do? What can anyone do? You know, there's no, you know, as uh, there's no Asda nearby. There's no whatever. How can how can we feed them? How how can anyone feed them? So they're they're very kind of sort of lost on this very natural plane. They're not really thinking through what they've been experiencing all the time they've been with Jesus. And you'd think that that, that they would realize, you know, well, we've been here. We've been in this situation before. And yet they've got this this question that there's this response to Jesus. You know, how can anyone feed these people in the wilderness? And yet we know back in, in, in the Old Testament, Moses and the people of Israel were fed miraculously. Time and time again, the Lord provided for his people in the wilderness. And we can, we can look at countless passages, can't we? Isaiah is a good place to go. Uh, it's speaking about the Lord and who the Lord is. Uh, verse 30, chapter 35 is a wonderful uh, chapter to go to. Ten verses, and it's, it's a wonderful chapter to read. Uh, so it says this, Say to them that are of a fearful heart, reading from verse 4, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out, and streams in the desert. So there's a picture of God and that as a saviour will provide for his people and that yes, people will be in a wilderness, but he will be there, that he is going to provide ultimately salvation, uh, but that he will bring restoration and healing. And then chapter 43 of Isaiah, just a few verses there, 19 through to 21. Behold, I will do a new thing now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I even make a, will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field shall honour me, the dragons and the owls, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to, to give drink to my people, my chosen. The people have I formed for myself that they will show forth my praise so there are lots of lots of examples that that the disciples surely they they would have heard they would have known and we see it in the psalms as well that they would have been singing that they would have uh in, in um you know in their, their their family worship or whatever and yet they didn't quite make that link again so there's a couple of significant things 
I just want to bring out in the feeding of the 4,000 for us this morning. So three significant things, and they'll begin with us. Three significant things. First, this is a sign of his deity and power. And of course, Jesus is fulfilling uh, Isaiah. Isaiah is often called the, the, you know, the Old Testament gospel, isn't it? Because it's speaking so much about the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? Uh, and so in a sense, this, is, this, this miracle again is a sign of his, his, his deity and his power. And then a signature of love and compassion. A signature. Now, when we, what I mean by that, you know, when you you write your signature, it's something personal. It's something that is a, a reflection and an expression of who you are. And we quite sometimes speak about that. That you know, particularly in music, you know, uh, it might be a, a term people use. Uh, and so we have here uh, a signature of Christ's love and compassion. It's it's a reflection of God's heart. God's heart of compassion for his people. And then the third thing is a snapshot of mission. A snapshot of mission. Because Jesus is involving the disciples. You notice that Jesus doesn't say to the disciples, these people are hungry. But don't, don't worry, just step aside and I'm just going to do a miracle. No, he's involving them. What you notice in both the 5,000, the feeding of the 5,000 back in chapter 6, and in this feeding of a multitude, that Jesus deliberately involves the disciples. He's kind of sort of teasing out their, 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 their fears and their, their unbelief and, uh, and their, all their, their, their concerns. Because he wants them to be intimately involved in in this this miracle. It isn't just Jesus, you know, waving some a magic wand, as it were, and then it happens. This kind of like a feast, you know. Jesus could have done that, but he what he wanted to do is he wanted to take the the frail and weak resources of the disciples. What they had and what did they have? Well, they had seven. What did, seven loaves and a couple of fish but he uses that and he uses them in the feeding of the 5,000 and so it's kind of like a snapshot of of mission and the fact that the disciples are ultimately going to be involved in mission in reaching out to others taking out the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ to others, touching other people. Yes, initially, Jesus uh, had come for the Jewish people, but the disciples were going to take the gospel, weren't they, and then touch other lives. And, of course, we can see this all unfold as Jesus uh, is uh, taken up into heaven and he gives the disciples that great commission. And then we go into at the book, wonderful book of Acts, and uh, we see this mission really taking off. But so this is really, this this miracle is kind of like a, a kind of preview, a sort of a portent of, of mission. And not just that it's among just a, a select people, but that 
all kinds of people are going to be touched. And that's the significance of that, that phrase where Jesus says, well, some of them have come from afar, from far away. And who knows what non-Jewish people were there in that multitude, in that huge multitude, that mass of people who, who were there, the, the, the throngs of people just wanting to see and hear Jesus and watch what Jesus was doing. And they've given up so much. Well, they've given up three days of their normal lives just to seek out Jesus. And Jesus uses this miracle. It's kind of a snapshot of what mission is like, of the disciples being involved, being stretched beyond their normal means and reaching out and touching all kinds of people. And and people that are from afar. So it's a snapshot of mission. So some things for us to consider this morning. As we, we, we consider and we think about the, this feeding of, of the 4,000. Well, there's a comfort. There's, there's, there are, there's, there's a comfort for us in this passage. And it's good for us to be reminded that Christ, the Lord Jesus, is God manifest in the flesh. And Bert brought that out last, last week. And it's something that we've been sort of seeing unfolding in Mark's gospel, isn't it? That Jesus, well, he's not just a good man. He's not just a teacher. He's not perhaps just a new prophet. But that he is God manifest in the flesh. That uh, he's, he's, he's almighty who has come. To, to not to be served, but to serve and be a ransom for many. And that Christ had compassion. And as he had compassion then, he has compassion now. Because the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't change. It's that wonderful verse in Hebrews, isn't it? Christ the same yesterday, today and forever. Christ doesn't change. And when it says here, he looks on the multitude and he has compassion. Christ has compassion now. He has compassion when he sees his people. He has compassion when he sees the lost, the lost of Quinton, those the masses of people that live in the Quinton area. And it's good for us to be reminded, and we can take comfort in that, that, that Christ has compassion. He's having compassion. And he, he, we, we can know that compassion, can't he? Can't we? And he doesn't change. He has compassion on needy folk. Verse 2 of uh, uh, the hymn that I read from Isaac Watts says this, just to remind us again. I'll praise my maker while I have breath. That hymn. Him, happy is the man whose hopes rely on Israel's God. He made the sky and earth and sea with all their train. His truth forever stands secure. He saves the oppressed. He feeds the poor. And none shall find his promise vain. Isaac Watts knew the reality of Christ's compassion. He knew the reality uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ and that the Lord Jesus Christ um, 
reaches out to the lost and needy with the gospel and he had received that that mercy that compassion and we too can know that the compassion of the lord, the lord doesn't change he wasn't you know when it says i have compassion here in, in our passage it's not oh well all those thousands of years ago when jesus walked the earth he had compassion but he's in heaven now he's you know he's got other things to think about no he has compassion he doesn't change and we can we can know uh, and benefit and, and and enjoy that compassion knowing the, the reality that christ has uh, compassion so there's there's comfort for us in knowing that these things and there's a challenge for us because as the lord involved the disciples in this kind of mission project you know dealing and reaching out uh with compassion to these these people who had, had no food and uh, had had given up their three days or whatever to to seek him out as christ as christ involved them got them involved took their meager resources the lord wants to to take your meager resources whatever it is it might be seven loaves whatever your gifts whatever you've got he wants to take that and use it and multiply it and make you fruitful for him so there's a challenge here that you know as the lord involved the disciples you know and kind of saying well you you know you know you you what do you how how are you going to feed these people and of course that's that's what what the lord was doing with the disciples he was kind of sort of drawing them into this to to being a part of this this wonderful miracle and jesus is doing that with us he's kind of inviting us to be part of his mission and whatever we've got whatever we don't we think we we, we don't think we've got which we think we should have jesus can use us jesus can use us jesus can use you and is using you and let's be encouraged and challenged that he can he will use us whatever meager resources we have christ can use us where we are to reach out to others to be involved in his mission so let, let's just move on slightly as we're kind of sort of coming to a close so verse six through to nine uh we see indeed that the lord jesus christ does all things well as verse 37 of chapter 7 puts it he is doing all things well because we see it in, in this section of, of, of the of the chapter he organizes the people doesn't he he, he gets and, and involves the disciples um in, in this miracle and this miraculous feeding with the loaves and the fish we see him blessing the food and verse 8 we see it says and all were filled all were filled and and think back to what what we, we were already considered i think it's it's in matthew's gospel that kind of filled said mentions that there were wives and children there as well that there was more you know there was probably grandmothers as well so there was it, there was more than just four thousand people but, he, but here it says that in verse 8 um you know they ate and were filled 
that's everybody and and, and there was leftovers there was there was there was leftovers there were, as it says what seven baskets of of fragments there was leftovers christ indeed does all things well and he's done all things well here and here's here's perhaps a little statement that you can take away with when the lord is working when the lord is working things work out you see the disciples in their own strength well how could a, a bunch of raw recruits like the disciples feed over well over four thousand people and you know they'd be right well we've got you know we've got we've got seven loaves well that will just about feed us but when jesus takes hold of it he does all things well well let's let's uh, uh come to the contrast that the pharisees are never far away are they and so jesus is again having an encounter with the pharisees so we've got these these multitudes of people and they're giving up time they must be making sacrifice in order to be be there and they're finding themselves in this wilderness place they're wanting to be in and hear jesus here the pharisees that the, the disciples have and, and jesus have left that where that that place and uh, the disciple the, the pharisees hear where jesus is now and they come looking for him only to do two things to, to really provoke and test him uh, and and ask him questions and and they're seeking a sign you know that you know they're saying to him, well if you really are from heaven if you really are you know from god um then give us a sign give us a miraculous sign uh, and so we see jesus having compassion on the multitudes but then we see jesus sighing with despair you know and it, you know you notice it mark records it specifically doesn't it uh there at verse 12 he sighs deeply so he had compassion on the on the on the, on the great crowds it is you know concern for them and here there is a different response isn't it and it, it says he dis, he, he sighed deeply you know he he could see their hardness and their and their unbelief and it you know and it and it it, it, it upset him the lord was was wanting to reach out with love to the, the multitude because they were genuinely seeking him they might not have understood everything but here's these pharisees <coughs> and all they want to do is provoke and test and trap jesus and he's he's we see we see him heartbroken and so his response is no sign no sign for you no sign will be given <coughs> and the expression is this generation and that kind of implies when jesus uses that kind of phraseology when he's saying that when he's using the word generation it's in a kind of negative way because in the past when that word was used it really referred to <coughs> Israel when they were hard of heart and they were turning away from God and they were rebellious and they were refusing to listen. So an evil and wicked generation. 
and Jesus isn't going to give them a sign. He's not going to respond to them at all. No sign is going to be given. And what sign could they have? <coughs> if they'd been with the, the multitude, if they had done what the, some of the multitude had done and taken time to really seek out the Lord and to follow him and, and to, to observe what he was doing and seeing what was happening, seeing all the marvelous great things that Jesus was doing, they wouldn't have needed a sign. It was there, but they couldn't see it. They were blind and they, they were hard of heart. The old uh, prayer book of the Church of England has a prayer uh, in, in, in a section known as the litany. <coughs> and it goes like this. Good Lord, deliver us from all blindness of heart, from pride, vainglory and hypocrisy, from envy, hatred and malice and all uncharitableness. Well, that's maybe an old-fashioned way of speaking. Now, the, the, the Pharisees could have, could have prayed that, couldn't they? That could, they could have made that their prayer them, for themselves because it applied to them. But, of course, they're not doing that because they're just so hard of heart and so obstinate in their opposition to the Lord Jesus Christ. But that just fits them, doesn't it? That, indeed, they had blindness of heart that they had pride and vainglory and hypocrisy. We know that. We've, we've seen that already. So they were hard of heart and Jesus is despairing with them. As it says, he sighs deeply. So a great contrast to the crowd who have given up so much in, 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 in terms of seeking out Jesus. And here's the Pharisees. And they're such a different, such a contrast. And then we come to the section thir verses thir <coughs> 13 to 21. And we see the disciples and Jesus, they're getting into a boat and, and they suddenly realise <coughs> they, had, they had all that, that, that leftovers. And... They forgot, they, 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 they forgot it. All they had was a loaf. And of course, Jesus tells them this, this, uh, this, uh, um, uh, statement in verse 15, doesn't he? That makes them really think, well, what's Jesus on about? Take heed, be aware of the leaving of the Pharisees and the leaving of Herod. And of course, they don't, they don't see it. And so, we see this section, Jesus asking them questions, drawing out their, their unbelief and their, and, their, and their own blindness. And uh, uh, we, we see Jesus saying, don't you remember? Don't, don't you remember what, what, what happened? Don't you remember what happened? Didn't you see? Didn't you hear? Don't you recall? Jesus is gently chiding them. And of course, they don't. The, the penny is not dropping. They're not. They're not grasping. And of course, the final question Jesus has, and this is where we're going to leave, and we're going to pick up next week, of verse twenty-one. How is it you don't understand? The penny 
hasn't quite dropped for them. They don't see, they don't hear, and they don't remember, and they don't they don't understand. They don't understand what the, the full import, the full uh, implication of the, the the first mass the feeding of the five thousand, and this feeding of the four thousand. They don't they don't really grasp at all. They're, when Jesus is saying, "Beware of the leaven of the you know of the Pharisees," they think you know they're, they're thinking on on you know again on the natural level on the lateral plane. They're thinking, well, oh, it's because we've forgotten you know we forgot those uh, baskets of seven fragments. We you know there was there was so much left over and we 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 forgot that you know and and Jesus said we're speaking to the the Pharisees so you know maybe it's because we forgot the bread. They just didn't realize that jesus asking those questions and there are questions that jesus can ask of us do we understand when we come to his word do we, we come to passages like this do we see and hear and understand it's good for us to remember and to remind ourselves of what the lord has done for us what the Lord has done for us. Not to dwell in the past, but it's good for us to remember what the Lord has done and that the Lord has had compassion on us and the, what the Lord has done for us in saving us from sin and from transforming us from what we were into, into what we are now in him. And it's good for us to remember these things and to remember that Jesus does all things well. So I think uh, we'll, we'll leave it there. And uh, we're going to pick up in part two uh, of uh, this uh, wonderful climax that we're going to get to um, and some of the, the, the great things that we're going to see about Jesus uh, in the rest of this chapter next week, the Lord willing. So. Let, let me pray for us, uh, and we'll bring this message to you. Father, we thank you uh, for your passage that, that, that you have provided for us this morning, and for the great things about the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the, the great things about uh, our great God and Savior, who came into the world to save sinners who came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many, who had compassion on the crowds, who, who reached out and, and did such wonderful things in feeding uh, and meeting the needs of people, and that he meets uh, the, the spiritual needs of, of people, and that you're doing that today, that you have compassion. And Lord, we thank and praise you. And Lord, we thank you that you, you, through your word and through your Holy Spirit, you can remind us about these great things. And Lord, that you can encourage us, encourage us uh, as we are drawn into your mission in reaching others. Amen.